All right, um, if you're joining us recently, we're closing out a, a series on the spiritual gifts. Um, if you don't know too much about the Bible or Christianity, the Bible teaches that God sent his son Jesus, the God-man to earth, who lived and died a perfect life, and uh, he, he died on the cross for the punishment of our sins, that we, 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 can, we can take the forgiveness that is now available uh, because Jesus died in place for our sins. As someone paid for your sins, that was Jesus. Now you can put your faith in him and be forgiven. Then Jesus ascended to heaven, and he now is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And after he ascended, he gave the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was sent to us, that he didn't leave us as orphans. He sent us his Spirit. And we as Christ followers celebrate the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And the Spirit, very much we, we celebrate, in addition to the, Jesus, the Son, and the Father, because the Spirit brings the presence and power of God right within us. Christianity is not an external religion, it's an internal religion of God coming in. Part of what the Holy Spirit brings is gifts, abilities. God makes us supernaturally able, each of us in different ways, through what are called gifts or abilities of the Holy Spirit. At the info table, you'll find a handout for every message so far. The first message, the introduction, I gave lots of caveats uh, for things so I didn't need to repeat them. I can't repeat those now, but I hope that will fill in any gaps that uh, you feel emerge as I speak today. And uh, we've saved uh, two of the most wonderful gifts for last. The first gift is the gift of tongues and interpretation. That old easy chestnut that hardly anyone speaks about and very few know what's going on at all. And I'm just trusting for grace. I won't go on and on. I'll, I'll be moving briskly. But it's a little bit technical at first because I do need to just separate one issue before we can talk about what the gift of tongues and interpretation actually looks like. So the verse is 1 Corinthians 12.10. And in the list of several gifts Paul mentions, he comes to one and he says, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. That's in a spiritual language. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. So this is a two-gift combo. Because in a minute we're going to read, don't do this one without this one. So it's a two-gift combo. And it actually receives a lot of attention in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and particularly chapter 14. To understand the combo, we just need to to understand the distinction that I believe the Bible makes between, don't worry about interpretation, park that. The distinction the Bible makes between personal tongues and public tongues. Tongues that you use in prayer or in praise by yourself, or maybe in a larger group if everyone's praising or uh, singing in, in tongues. And then there's a meeting stopper tongue that gets brought. Everyone's listening. Everyone's tuned in. That needs an interpretation. So, there's a personal ability of tongues and there's a public gift. To use an analogy, we could think of someone driving a vehicle, a car. So, hands up if you've got your license that enables you to drive a private vehicle like your car. Okay, hands down. Hands up if you've also got a license to drive a public vehicle like a bus. One or two of us. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
same basic skill, but context different, personal license. And then there's the special ability to do it publicly. And we'll talk about interpretation, because this one doesn't need interpretation, but the public gift does need interpretation. Why is this distinction between personal tongues and public tongues important? Well, it's because it makes sense of the different things that the Bible seems to teach about tongues in different places. But if you just merge them together, it's, it's impossible to understand. Let me uh, show you what I mean. So, sometimes the Bible assumes that everyone can, could, should speak in tongues. The word all is used a lot. And the several instances in the book of Acts when they were filled with the Spirit and all spoke in tongues, all prophesied, all. And then there's other places where the Bible assumes that only some can speak in tongues. So, for example, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul gives a list. He asks a number of questions, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 30, asks a number of questions. Are all apostles, he says? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. He goes down the list. Uh, do all speak in tongues? The answer in the context has to be no. Do all interpret? The answer has to be no. But the point he's making is that we're given different gifts. But that would be contradictory to these places if there wasn't this distinction between two different types of tongues. Here's another one. The Bible is sometimes strong, and when it's strong, it is strong. The need for interpretation. For example, 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If any speaks in a tongue, is it this one? Personal or public? If anyone speaks in a tongue, back up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two or three at the most. And let someone interpret. But if there's no, no one to interpret, don't even bring the tongue. Yet, in several places in Scripture, people spoke in tongues, and there's just no mention of interpretation. And if it was that big a deal, surely it would say, they spoke in tongues and someone interpreted. Or they spoke in tongues one at a time and there were different interpretations. But there's just a different feel. Sometimes it's, there must be an interpreter, don't even bring the tongue if there's no interpreter, interpreter present. And at other times, it's they all spoke in tongues. Next. In fact, if we think about the flagship passage on tongues and interpretation, which is 1 Corinthians 14, which do, do read later, Paul, I think, is teaching a bit of a summary for this chapter would be Paul is teaching that not the Corinthians, he's saying, fellas, not everyone who's licensed to drive individual vehicles is licensed to drive in public. Because, back up, thank you, because tongues without interpretation is unintelligible. So if I go, it's a public tongue, if I go, like who's blessed? No, because you, you, we don't understand that. Now the Bible says that when I speak in tongues, personally, it edifies my spirit. 
And I'm speaking something very intelligible to heaven. Do you know with any language, it's sounds and meaning, isn't it? So if you speak German, you make noises. Achtung, schnell. Those are just noises. And we've decided collectively as Germans, I'm not German, Germans have, that Achtung means <laughs> attention. Schnell means quick. That's what we've decided. With tongues, we speak the words, but heaven adds the meanings. And we don't know what the meanings are. You don't need to when, you're, when it's personal. It's just between you and God. And you, you get edified, the Bible says, speaking in tongues. And you pray and you praise. But when it's here, it's like, it's not edifying for anyone else unless there's an interpretation. So this is a gift where the meaning of heaven is, is actually made known for this particular language, which is a heavenly language. Okay, and a key thing is this little phrase here. Tongues without interpretation is unintelligible, especially to unbelievers. So if you're, if you're not a Christian here, not yet a Christian, visiting church, if you read 1 Corinthians 14, it's in the New Testament, look it up with the index or Google it uh, on Google, 1 Corinthians 14, you'll see that Paul is really at pains to make sure that this gift particularly works for you and helps you, not freaks you out. So having you in the mix today, kind of bear with us a bit as we're talking as believers a bit, how not, not to freak you out, but still to do this wonderful gift. And a big phrase that the Bible uses in regard to spiritual gifts, particularly this one and prophecy, is build up. How we do our gifts should build up. That means not confuse, not distract. There should be an inherent building, it, it should net out as benefits to the body. So I just want to take a lightning detour on this phrase of build up. In a minute, I will take that detour. But let's get into, so I've tried to separate, if you can say personal, say personal, personal tongues, now say public tongues. There's a difference, and I think that's helpful. We're now going to talk about tongues uh, and interpretation. So the definition is, the gift of tongues and interpretation is when a person speaks to God in an unknown language in a gathering. Just a bit like how I did. I'm just doing it by way of practice and, uh, and uh, demonstration. And either that person, after going, either me or someone else brings the interpretation. The assumption in Scripture is that it will usually be someone else, and, and someone else brings the interpretation. And it's going to be a message of praise or prayer to God. We'll see why in just a second. Let's look at these. Great. Thank you, guys. Sorry if I'm being confusing for you on the screen desk. Yeah, that's good. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, click. Okay, so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures about tongues and interpretation. The context happens to be, Paul is saying, tongues and interpretation, this, prophecy is a bit different. Like this, prophecy is a bit different. Our main aim, however, is to learn about tongues and interpretation, because we learned about prophecy last week. So Paul says, anyone who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but God. No one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So the first thing we learn about prophecy and tongues and interpretation is the direction's different. Prophecy is man speaking to, or God speaking to man through man. 
It's, it's to people. Prophecy is to people. So you wouldn't prophesy to God. You wouldn't bring a prophecy saying, oh God, you are enormous. You span the ages. You are the Alpha and the Omega. That, that sounds more to me like an interpretation to a tongue because we're taught that anyone who speaks in a tongue isn't speaking to men but to God. So prophecy is, I believe the Lord would say to us, or my people, I say to you, you speak on behalf of God. No one actually thinks you're God when you say, my people, I say to you. So it's okay, you're safe. We're not thinking, oh, he thinks he's God. We know you're not God. You know you're not God. But you can phrase it in the first person sometimes. That's prophecy. It's, it's to man. Tongues, however, is Godward. So the interpretation of a tongue would be something about God or to God, prayer or praise. Here's another scripture. The one who speaks in a tongue... Also, this is still 1 Corinthians uh, 14. Builds up himself. The one who prophesies builds up the church. The one who prophesies is greater because he's building up the church. Unless the tongue gets an interpretation so that the church may be built up. You see, again, this real passion Paul has for the church being built up. And this is now where I just want to take a little detour into this this concept of building up, the broader principle of building up. Uh, later in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn. We mostly ask these guys to bring the hymns. A lesson, that's usually, or in a revelation, that's usually the preacher. A tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Now, this is a magnificent first principle of Christian ministry and of church leadership, that the emphasis is, is it helping people? Not, am I fulfilling my calling in the Lord? And when I feel, well, I, I, I feel this, I really do feel conviction, that's good. We, we want me as a preacher other people, we want them to feel conviction. I felt the Lord wanted me to say this. I felt the Lord wanted me to do that. That's absolutely good and right. But there's also, is it benefiting others? Is it working? So I had a great chat with a friend last night. We were at Hello Fall. And he was so sweet. He said, hey, man, thanks. I'm loving your preaching, loving the church. Can I just say this? And he gave me a little tip on my preaching. It was just terrific. And I wasn't thinking, who does he think he is? I, I'm very secure because God's called me to preach and to lead. And we don't want a wet blanket up front. We want someone who knows he's called by the Lord. But that's only 50% of it. The other 50% of it is, is it helping? Is it building up? So if someone's giving me a tip for how to build, build up the meeting or individuals, I'm all ears. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm one ear. My, my other ear is here. So I don't cave. It's not, oh, everything anyone says. But I'm not rattled by that. It's just like, I want to be helpful. Sometimes they'll say something. He was so sweet. He said, hey, if what I'm saying, you don't, and he just did this. He's saying, if you don't get it here, or, or if others don't agree, then just, just brush it off. I said, thanks, I will, but I so appreciate that. So you want conviction, but there's this principle of building one another up. So a couple of examples on this. When you come together, let it be for building up. So singing hymns together. It's to the Lord, right? 
My worship is to the Lord. I hope you're thinking that. But we're also thinking, because we're doing this together, is my worship helping, it's for you, Lord, but is it also helping build up the body? And I mean, almost always it is, isn't it? But I, I had a chat, a chat with a dear guy, just like him and respect him. But the way he wanted to worship um, in church was jumping. And is jumping sinful? Now, come on, let's be really clear on this. Is, is, is jumping in church sinful? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it anything else in, in the sinister realm? Can it be a legit form of worship? Yes. The problem was he was very, very tall, and he would sit near the front in the middle, and he wouldn't just jump. He would just jump the whole worship scene through. So I, I let it go for, for two or three weeks. I just said, let, let it go. We're not controlling people. It may be just something that's going on at the moment, and we really want him to worship the Lord. And we're a robust people. Our people know that we're aware of it, but you know, we don't need to spoon-feed it and make everything perfect. So let, us, let it go for a few weeks. But then on week three, I had a chat with him afterwards. I said, hey, man, I noticed you do that, and I gave caveats. But I, just, I said, look, what's happening a bit is that it's not really building up everyone else because it, you've become the jumping guy in the middle, and it, it's just a bit distracting. Not for everyone, but it can be distracting, especially for new people, unbelievers. It's like they just don't get what you and I get, that I know you're worshiping the Lord. And we had a good chat, chat on that. Actually, we didn't end up in the same place um, because he, he kept playing the card, this is my worship to the Lord. And I kept saying, yes, I know. But there's just a bit of a leniency that we have to one another as well uh, because we want the atmosphere to be just generally building up. And um, he said, I think I need to find a church where I'm free to do that. And I said, that's an excellent reason to move church. Because you need, if, if you're in a church where there's lots of jumpers going on, no one's going to no say it's not bu building up. And maybe if we become more of a jumpy church, <laughs> you, know, you, would fit, you would fit in. So I'm, I'm, I'm presenting this as a really key analogy. Let's, let's do one against um, myself. So preaching, because it's, it's him and also lessons. Um, if my preaching is too long, one or two weeks in a row, I expect people will smile and wave. But if like, I'm just getting into a habit of just preaching too long, and, and the last 10 minutes, it's just like annoying people and not, not helpful, I know some of any of you, especially those I work quite closely with, the leadership level, they, they're, gonna say, they're not going to sit me down and confront me. They're going to say, hey, bro, just, they'll just nudge me. They'll say, hey, I think you're preaching just a little bit too long. You're at your best in the first 35. It's when you drift 35, 40, 50, 60. Is it? <laughs> Occasionally, it's great. It's good to get through the material. And my response mustn't be, well, look, I felt in the Lord. You know, I, I'm a steward of God's word. <laughs> no, I, I need to say, that, that's helpful. Thank you. If they said cut it down to 15, I'd probably say, do you know, just with a clear conscience, I don't, I don't feel I can do that. And, and you know, we try and work, work the thing through. Uh, I hope those, those just two analogies are, are helpful. Sometimes preachers can be a, be a bit shouty. So I've said to, to, to preachers before, um, hey, just, bro, I suggest you use the gears a bit more. And th those, those preachers have never said to me, listen, when I get passionate in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit comes on me, and the whole thing is like this, because it's the Spirit. 
you know, I, th- I know when you, when you, especially when you get worked up, that's often the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's this other bit of, is it building up? And hey, bro, you may be better preaching in Africa. Because man, in Africa, and I've moved from Africa to America. You, you make adjustments, not, not to go all wet before the Lord, but because you want to build up here. But we want to learn, who's your audience? How does, how does it work? But the audience isn't thinking to the preacher, fit in exactly with us. Feed us exactly the right food and mouthfuls that I like. Because we're aware, we're, we're a body together. And there's, there's differences. And we don't want to get all you know, analytical about the preacher, do we? We, we want to we be free. So there's a freedom in this. But the principle is, be strong in the Lord and your convictions. And also be lenient to one another. Because the net result, we want to be building the church up. And... Interesting, it says two or three at the most, tongues and interpretation, and there must be an interpreter present. Okay, moving swiftly on. This is a potent gift, tongues and interpretation. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a meeting. Who's been in a meeting where it's happened? It's a bit of a meeting stuff. That's great. Third quarter of us. It's a potent gift, like kind of when it works right. Um, And the potency for me comes in the tag teaming. It's like two people working together, orchestrated by the Spirit. It's like, hats off, Holy Spirit. Um, it's, it seems to be when a tongue comes, in a meeting, like no one should ever bring a tongue like this. It's, it's Godward, it's praise, it's prayer. And the interpretation will come. God, there is epic, there is no one like you. Some gods pretend they are you, but they are not. They are small g gods. You are the true one, one big g God. You have been gods before anyone else invented the word. God. And it just brings a lift. But even then, I think that might have been something. I felt a little something in the Lord there. Um, but it brings a lift to the meeting and it brings a, a description or a praise of God that's a little bit m- more super than is naturally done. And that's the deal with all these gifts, isn't it? Any of these spiritual gifts, it's, it's like extra to what most people do. So sort of normal praise, it'll, it'll have a sort of purity and a vitality that often really lifts every eye in the room and every heart uh, to God in a fresh way. It, it boosts worship. So in terms of our monument practice, let's move to practice. We need to figure out who can interpret. Anyone got the gift of interpretation? And interpreting is much harder than bringing a tongue. Man, honestly, I can do both. Bringing a tongue is like falling off a log. It's so easy. Bringing the interpretation, it's it's a whole lot harder. So don't get trigger happy on bringing a tongue, buddy. Sometimes you interpret your own tongue, okay? Um, and as a church, we need to get our training wheels on. And this is the only gift, really, that we've come across that I think we need to get our training wheels on big time. Um, and given the diversity of Sunday gatherings, and given the caveats and the nuance that Paul brings in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, um, we, uh, you ought to, to make sure that it builds up and so on, uh, we need to learn how to do this in non-Sunday context at the moment. That's worship nights, prayer and fasting, prayer meetings, uh, probably small groups as well. The Sundays is diverse and the stakes are a little bit higher. So not for long, but we need to uh, get our training wheels on outside a Sunday meeting context. How will I know if I have a tongue to bring publicly? Well, the first thing to say is you'll be able to bring personal tongues. 
You'll be able to speak in tongues personally because it's the same drive, basic driving skill. Private vehicle, public bus. Uh, you'll, you'll be a worshiper. This is a gift of, of worship and praise and prayer to, or, or prayer to God. And you'll just learn to sense it. I'm sorry I can't do any, any better than that. You'll just find you're in a meeting and the meeting hits a stage and you feel like you've got something welling up in you. It's like an ultra desire to praise. It's like at a, at a, at a, at a football game or something. When you, you just, that part of the game comes on you when you just want to shout. Ah, go Redskins, whatever it is. There'll be a, I just want to, I just, I just want to praise you, God. And I think it'll really help us all praise you. To use an old word, you'll feel an unction. What about having an interpretation? Again, I think you'll be a worshiper. You'll learn to sense it. And remember to phrase it in a Godward way. So it won't be my people I say to you. It would be, oh God, you are. Or, oh God, we ask for this, we ask for that. You are this, you are that. And when, I, when I've um, brought an interpretation... When the person starts to bring their tongue, usually my mind just gets on a certain track, like the bigness of God, or how God is our defender, or the mercy of God. And sometimes when someone brings a tongue, I feel absolutely nothing. But often when someone, a tongue gets brought, I just feel, it's like I don't understand what they're saying. And by the way, it's not, an, it's not a translation, it's an interpretation. So it can be a little bit longer, a bit shorter doesn't have to be like word for word. But I, I'll just feel something, and I'll get an idea of a theme, and then I've just got to operate in faith. So all I've got is a theme, and I'll come up with the same sort of spirit or attitude that the tongue was brought. I'll, I'll go, oh, God, and then, then just trust it goes from there. And I've learned to keep it short as well. Don't go on and on. Often you, you hit, a, hit a peak, like, quit whilst you're ahead, sit down, shut up, and we all love it, you know? Often with the, any of these spiritual gifts, if we go on too long, it can just be a bit too long. Okay, so do we need interpretation, is the final question, when we are all or many praying or singing in tongues together? So like at our prayer and fasting nights, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday last week, we had times when the person leading said, let's just pray out loud all together. You can pray in a known language or you can pray in tongues. Or sometimes, um, Sam or someone who's leading worship will say, Let's just sing out a new song to the Lord in your own language or a heavenly language. In those instances, when we're all together, do you think we need interpretation or do you think it's okay to do them? This one is debatable. I think it is okay to do it. I'm comfortable with it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. It's because when we're all doing it together at a similar volume, you actually can't tell who's speaking in what language and who isn't. And also, you know, if I'm praising God in English and praying in English and someone nearby is praying or praising in Spanish. I don't understand what they're saying, but that's not really the issue because I'm actually, we're all doing it together. It's a bit of a team sport. It's not a silent, you know, come to the front, show-stopping tongue that's brought. It's, it's all happening together and you can't really tell who's doing it and who isn't. So I'm personally uh, comfortable with that, but I wouldn't fight with um, someone who isn't or I would just box a little bit with you, you know but it doesn't really matter who wins. That said, and this goes back to those of us here who are exploring Christianity, um, if I'm sitting next to you, you know, and today, and Sam says, yeah, let's just sing out our songs. You can, you can sing in a heavenly language 
or any earthly language. And I know that you're new to Christianity. You're not even singing. You're, you're just there checking it all out. And I know that you can hear what I say. I will just pray in English. I wouldn't go in tongues just to honor the principle of, you know, it's not going to be edifying for you and it'll be a bit confusing uh, for you there. One closing thought, particularly for those of us who aren't yet believers. Um, but the whole realm of spiritual gifts, that's the series we've been in, it, it's just so thrilling. And I would just want to say this by way of comfort to you and encouragement to you, that Christianity is a supernatural religion. There's a lot of, lot of bit about it that it is, is not, doesn't feel supernatural. It just feels steady, live wisely, love your neighbors, duh, do good, be disciplined in certain ways. There's a lot of that. But the big story is we have the God of the universe in us by his Holy Spirit. Who even, and it's just been today's message. Who even could give us the ability to speak in a heavenly language and someone else the ability to bring an interpretation. How cool. How cool is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? How amazing is this faith that we've been drawn into? God in us not left as orphans, right amongst us. So we're going to close out uh, there. I've talked about the handout that you've got on your chair in just a second, but I want to take a moment, as we have with all of these gifts, to pray that these gifts would get going in our church uh, more and more, and that means get going in, in some of us here. So tongues and interpretation. We're talking public tongues, and someone bringing interpretation. If you would like, if you're sitting there thinking, I can either... I think I can do this a bit, or I would like this gift. Uh, please stand up, and we want to pray for you. And if you're hesitant about this, if you're thinking, oh, this is the one gift I don't want, I just want to say God's probably going to get you on this. Because the Bible says eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So it's much safer to ask and not receive than not to ask, in my opinion. Uh, so if you have the gift or you would like it, uh, you would like to grow in it, and no one's taking a picture, you're not going to be put on the spot, not going to be hauled up to the front to interpret because you're standing up now. But if you've got an appetite for this, that eagerly desire, then please stand. Anyone else? Great. Guys, this is wonderful. It's terrific. Not everyone has every gift. So whilst we could all desire a certain gift, we probably wouldn't all get it. Good, let's pray. Father, for those standing, and any, any of us sitting, Lord, who you want to give it to us, even though we don't think that's, that's the plan, we do ask, Lord, now for the gift of this gift, the gift of these gifts. We pray for genuine public tongue bringers and genuine public tongue interpreters. We ask you for that, Lord. We thank you that it's a these are gifts, so we don't need to work it up or earn them. We just ask, Lord, for your glory and our joy and, and the effectiveness of Monument Church please would you give us these gifts. And Lord, we want to add, just tag on a prayer that we haven't tagged on really for any of the gifts, um, or many of them. Please would you particularly teach us how to do this one in a way that is effective and not weird. We're happy to be weird in the right sense, Father, but not in the wrong sense. We really do, as a church, want to be naturally supernatural and do all these gifts, particularly these more... Uh, potentially confusing ones. We want to do them with a real grace from you, Lord. Lord we, we're just taking your word of what it says. We're not jumping over the difficult gifts or the difficult scriptures. We ask you, Father, please give us grace 
to be naturally supernatural, genuinely a spirit-empowered church, but in a way that's accessible and helpful and palatable, particularly for those who are exploring the claims and teachings of Christ. We pray for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Please sit down. And God bless you with that. Yeah, let's get practicing. All right, um, we are essentially done for the day. I just want to make a couple of closing comments on this uh, series. So if you pick up the handout from the original preach, uh, you'll see that there are five gifts, five people gifts we haven't yet got to. They're in Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I'm going to come back to that sometime next year. It just feels like we've been in this series long enough. And that's a really neat cluster of gifts that I don't want to rush. It would be great to take uh, 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 two or three weeks, um, some, maybe even five weeks, sometime next year, maybe next summer, to come back to those uh, five Ephesians 4 gifts. But we're now done. We've uh, covered all the gifts except one, which is the gift of giving. And it's a fantastic gift. I wasn't sure if I'd have time to uh, also do this gift today. And as it turns out, I don't have time. Um, so what we're going to do is this, is the handout that you've all got on your chairs, please would you read it. It talks about those with a special gift of abil an ability to give. Um, not just more money, but proportionally more money than other believers. Remember, each gift makes us proportionally able to do that gift more than other believers. And it's an absolutely terrific gift. I'm sorry I didn't, didn't uh, end up having time for, for that today. And over the course of the next month or so, um, either myself, or someone else will do a little spotlight. You know when we turn a spotlight on something, just a five to 10 minute nugget teaching. Either we'll do one of those on Sunday just to, just to fan this gift into flame. It might be particularly useful with the gift Sunday coming up. Uh, or I'll do something to camera, just a 15 minute overview of this gift and we'll get a link out to you and it'll, it'll be on our, our website. So we're, we've concluded, except for the gift of giving, which we'll do one way or another uh, in the next month or so. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. <sighs> well, what a wonderful series it's been. Isn't God good? Uh, you know, a surprising um, sort of side benefit that I wasn't anticipating um, is the sense of we're all in this together and we're all needed. Um, some theologians would call that the priesthood of all believers, that we're all priests. It's not just one or two up front. We're, we really do all have gifts and we can only be effective as a body uh, with each, each of us bringing our gifts to bear. And I just do want to say, please, please be chilled about this. Please don't be passive. But there's lots of room to make mistakes. Like I reckon the first few times we do tongues and interpretation, it could be a lot of fun. Uh, and we're going to laugh about it. And it just training wheels is absolutely fine. Falling off bikes is fine. And this is whether you're bringing your gift up front in some way or more behind the scenes or less obvious way. We're going to figure this out and learn together. But the deal is we're all in. We're a healthy body as fingers and kneecaps and ears and eyes all do their gifts together. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just thank God, shall we, at the end of this series. Thank him for his word, his gifts.